ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Pony Stampede podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Billy Umbody. We are jumping into a Q&A podcast. Questions from our subscribers submitted on Pony Stampede. Hopefully this gets you through your weekend or the start of your weekend. Uh, and uh, as we await the start of spring practice uh, for SMU now, just really two weeks away. So looking forward to getting more into that uh, next week with our position previews beginning little snapshot at, you know, the questions entering spring ball, what the position outlook looks like, um, and some, you know, way too early predictions for 2021. But before we address football questions, we are going to talk about basketball because I would say it is still uh, the top thing that people are asking about on the Pony Stampede board. And it makes sense because we're continuing to follow the limbo is uh, the limbo that is uh, Tim Jankovic's uh, status and uh, what really could uh, could go down. So a lot of this, I think, will cover the questions that have been asked. And I want to start with the outlook of the program. And uh, it was the first question uh, asked by SMU grad uh, in the podcast questions thread. And what does the next couple years of SMU basketball look like? Well, in the era of transfers, naturally, it's a little murky uh, just because, look, we've already seen Darius McNeil transfer. We saw Charles Smith the fourth, tra- uh, smart, Charles Smith the fourth transfer. Two players that were key for the next couple of years, I would say. And Charles Smith, you know, probably trending more like a off the bench guy. Um, but nevertheless, uh, he transfers. He led the team in three point percentage, and with the amount of threes that Tim Jankovic's teams like to shoot, that is big. So as you look and assess the next couple of years, one thing that's going to be critical is will your and a return? Uh, and I think everybody up on the roster is it, that question is there. So I'm not I don't just single him out just because, uh, you know, there, there there's questions that he might not return. He had he went through some personal reasons and ended up coming back to play for the NIT game. Um, so we'll see what he opts to do moving forward. But does Tyson Jolly come back? Kendrick Davis is a junior. You know, what does the backcourt look like? There are so many questions. And Kendrick Davis could go pro. I mean, we don't really know what this roster could look like six months from now, let alone a couple years from now. But I think when you look at the overall AAC, I think it's pretty clear that Houston is going to be the cream of the crop for the foreseeable future unless a change comes at SMU. And then you look at Cincinnati. They are dealing with their own serious issues over there. Uh, they've fallen off. Wichita State... Uh, won the league in the regular season and looks like they'll end up being a contender near the top of the league. Same with Memphis, I would say. Uh, they're they're able to you know find ways to at least stay competitive. I don't think Penny Hardaway by any means has been what uh, that crew has wanted. And then you have the rest of the league that um, you know is, is kind of just there, I think for the most part. I'm probably forgetting one team to you know kind of mention, but you know, the league is there for SMU's taking. And that's the thing I think most people are frustrated with with the program. But as far as the next couple of years, they should be contending for a regular season title and, and a tournament title. That's what they should be contending for. Can they put it together? That's always been the question. You know, they, they had the injuries a couple of years ago, yeah. But the last two years, they fell off right before COVID, a, a, a tailspin. And then this year, they had the COVID issues and Really, they they were a middling kind of AAC team um, for the most part, I would say. And 
it, it's just a team that when you look at the direction, high school recruiting hasn't ever been uh, a really strong suit for Tim Jankovic's staff. Um, they've had missed evaluation, uh, missed evaluations really kind of outside of Ferran Hunt, I would say. Um, and even then, and Ethan Chagua to an extent, but not, neither one of them, I think, has gotten much better since they walked on campus a few years ago. So that's an issue. They've had a lot of missed evaluations, which is very important. But I do think Jalen Smith and Zurich Phelps, the two guards they signed in the early period, are good pieces moving forward. Uh, Zurich Phelps has that toughness to him that I like in a point guard uh, and that SMU um, has had in the past. Kendrick Davis uh, can tutor him for a year or so and move on. And then uh, you have Tyson Jolly if he decides to come back. But I, I just I don't know. I haven't heard anything on Tyson Jolly. But after the year he went through, it wouldn't shock me if he just moved on. So I think the the goal would be for SMU to to land transfers and to upgrade the roster in that respect. And they do have right now three scholarships to play with. And that is a good thing for Tim Jankovic just from the jump right there. If they can upgrade, then this team looks like it could take that step and compete for a conference championship truly. But again, it comes comes down to um it comes down to the the ability to put it all together. And I, I think that's the biggest issue that we've seen and until that consistency is there, I can't see SMU being able to do anything more than finish around the three, four, five range in the conference. And that's just the reality of it. And I mean, everybody thought Wichita State would really, really fall apart, but they bounced back really well uh, this year and have been able to do that uh, and, and won the league in the, in the, uh, in the regular season. And so, you know, I, I think, um, it's it's murky, but that's where they should be. Depending on this off season and how it goes with the transfers, that's kind of where, um, you know, I think they should be. As far as Jim Jankovic's status, look, I mean, since that first year when he won with Larry Brown's players and they won the league, and and once Harry Frawling and Tom Wilson were told to just basically get away. Um, <laughs> they were able to piece together and, and win uh, the conference, go to the NCAA tournament, do all those things. And um, th- that was his best year by far. But look, since then, uh, it's been it's been nothing short of a disappointment. 28 and 37 in AAC play, 62 and 50 overall, uh, and really helped by pitiful non-conference scheduling. On the flip side of that, they've developed really good players like Kendrick Davis, Tyson Jolly, uh, when he's played. Um, but really, I mean, other than that, they've had they've had missed evaluations. William Douglas, Everett Ray, Elijah Landrum, Curtis White, or C.J. White. You know those players, uh, and and during that time, uh, they haven't been able to reload very very often. So, you know, I think this is a uh, this is a, a a program that has the facilities in place. It has uh, the support. It does. David Miller pays a pretty penny to pay Tim Jankovic's salary. Uh, they are supported very well. you know. And people always say, well, it's not a Larry Brown staff. It's like, yeah, do you guys realize how much support Larry Brown needed just to be a college coach? I mean, George Lynch was the strength and conditioning coach. Uh, they had more student assistants and managers and all of this stuff than anyone else. I mean, what, you know, a couple of coaches always 
mentioned to me around the conference, you know, SMU has more suits than I've ever seen on the bench. And it's true. Um, and that was just a different time. It doesn't mean the the support isn't necessarily there. Now, attendance has fallen off. Donors are fed up. That's kind of the issue. A new hire, and I'm moving on to James Pony Island's question, a new hire that SMU could bring in, you could have a safe hire in terms of someone who is either a well-respected assistant or a solid, you know, coach on a lower level. Uh, you could even have a, a retread. I don't. I don't think there are many solid retreads for SMU out there. But I don't necessarily think it's going to be a splash. And I just think that there aren't enough splash hires out there. Now, Rick Hart is very good at at hiring coaches, in my opinion, and so that would be. Uh, the the thing I would kind of hold on to if you're an SMU fan is is his ability to hire coaches uh, and and find someone and have a list, which is why it's kind of mind boggling that he's been hanging on to Tim Jankovic for this long. You know, there's rumors out there of the support to buy Tim Jankovic out and the new staff. You know, I haven't heard some of the numbers being thrown around on Pony Stampede's board by by some people asking questions, and they don't really make sense too. Um, so they, there are people in position to make, uh, I think the, the, the rest of Tim Jankovic's tenure go away. Uh, and I think that support is there. I don't think it's pushed past the point of something's going to be done, uh, and they are going to make a move and Rick Hart's mind's mind is going to change. So I think, and to answer the second question, do I think the program is in position to make the type of hire that would make fans happy? And not just because it's anything better, anything is better than Tim Jankovic. I, I think it is in position to make a very good hire. The facilities, the recruiting base, what Moody Coliseum is when a coach is engaging, when a coach uh, is, I think, uh, takes it upon himself to uh, put the onus on him, which I think has been an issue, obviously. With, with some of the narratives coming out of uh, Crumb. But it's just a weird cycle, I think, of coaches hiring. And I think, you know, people, and I mean, people bring up Rick Pitino on our board all the time, and it's just, it's not going to happen. It's never, it's not, it's not going to happen, period. And so people, you know, poo-pooed Sonny Dykes, and then you saw the staff he put together. So I'm going to go ahead and say they are, definitely in position to make a really good hire. I think there are a lot of people that are going to try and gun for the job. What that looks like, though, I'm not so sure if that makes sense. Um, but really, I mean, I, I do think there are a lot of good coaches out there that SMU could hire and turn this thing around, engage with the student body, engage with the donors, and get this thing back on track. Um, but well, time will tell if they'll even get to that point this um, offseason. Now, I want to transition to football but I'm going to do so by talking about realignment because classic podcast questions threads. That means realignment and what SMU can do to position itself for a Power Five conference. And really, football's number one. And they've got the indoor. You know, they want to do Ford Stadium. They want to do the uh, football only type of facility. Uh, and where that goes, you know, remains to be seen. But I've heard, you know, there's some renderings out there of of, of uh, some different areas and and things they can do with that. And they need to just keep winning there. They need to keep being, you know, in the top 25. They need, they certainly need to make a run at a conference championship. And then from the AAC's perspective, you know, it's just continuing to make noise. Cincinnati has to stay good. UCF has to stay relevant. 
uh, with Gus Malzahn at the helm, you know, can Memphis continue to be a good team? Uh, can some of these other teams in the league take that next step that we've been waiting on them to take for quite some time? And as I think the new streaming and TV rights deals kind of start coming out and coming together, being at the forefront of being unique could help Amazon, Facebook, but also having that ESPN, ESPN Plus presence, which is very, very important as well. And more people are going to continue to get ESPN Plus. I broke down about a month ago and got it. Um, and all of that to say, as realignment happens, I don't think you're, you're going to see teams and schools leave the NCAA. I think it's going to be a restructuring more than anything. Uh, there needs to be a national governing body above the conferences. It's kind of like the NFL. You know, why why is there, why is it not, uh, you know, just just I don't know. Two, you know, it, you have the conferences, and then you and then you have the NFL, and and same with every other. Uh, major sport you you have to have that governing body right and I don't think SMU would go and leave the NCAA I don't think the the rights deals are are there for them as an independent um, and I don't know what that organization would look like other than you know 64 some teams just battling it out and making their own schedules so um, that's a tough question to answer but I would say uh, I, I don't I don't see it being plausible I think the restructuring of the NCAA is more likely uh, than anything else. And to kind of wrap up on football and realignment and the two to three year football outlook, I mean, I think you're looking at SMU, Cincinnati and UCF near the top of the football uh, conference, um, in my opinion. I I think Memphis, uh, we'll see how they go uh, with the new coaching staff that's now going to be entering year two. Uh, Can they sustain? You know, Memphis hasn't really had to look for a quarterback uh, in quite some time, you know, when they do have to do that, uh, how will they look? Will they be able to keep rolling? That's a big question. Navy's fallen off a little bit. Can Tulane take the next step? You know, there are a lot of programs uh, that, um, you know, are struggling to get back to where they were. Temple, um, East Carolina is 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 making some noise. You know, obviously they beat SMU, but, um, you know, they've got some things that, that are always going to kind of work against them in a way. Uh, so Tulsa, you know, really, really good team as well. You got to contend with them. Can they keep up that uh, 2020 momentum and, uh, you know, push past that and and really take it to the next level? Because, you know, up until 2020, you know, it was a um, it was a uh, kind of a tough sledding at times. They were a tough team to play against, but it wasn't, it wasn't always going their way. So with that, I mean, I think you're looking at Cincinnati still being cream of the crop and then SME and UCF really nipping. Uh, at their heels, um, and and I think you're gonna maybe maybe see SMU finally push uh, the door open and 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 make their statement this year. I think Jim Levitt uh, is going to make a huge difference uh, for SMU. But um, with that, guys, you know we've kind of talked alignment, we've talked about outlook. I want to take a quick break, and then we'll come back, and I'll answer a lot of your football questions and and kind of what the team looks like or or what have you. So we'll do that on the other side of this break from the Pony Stampede podcast. Welcome back to the Pony Stampede Podcast. Thanks for listening. We're going to go rapid fire here in a second. But first, a quick reminder to leave us a rating, leave us a review, and follow us on wherever you listen to your podcasts. And uh, 
go ahead and, and share us with your friends as well uh, that may need a podcast on SMU. So appreciate all you guys that do that and appreciate all the people who have subscribed to Pony Stampede uh, as well. It's been a big uh, start to the month or I guess last couple of weeks to, uh, to the month for us uh, with all the questions around basketball. We've had a lot of new subscribers. So taking advantage of that dollar uh, for your first month. Uh, I've seen a lot of people doing that. So with spring ball here, great time to jump on board. Now, let's roll through and go rapid fire. And these are kind of going to be out of order. So if I jump around, that's all right. Kurt asks, who do I see stepping up in a serious pass rush threat for Jim Levitt's system? I think one name uh, that I really want to see step up is uh, Nelson Paul. And the reason why I say Nelson Paul is because he was really set to break out last year. I mean, he was really set. And he, he got hurt, and he kind of struggled, and he just never turned the corner, and I think that really hurt him. I could see him stepping up and being a pass rusher, but I think the more logical choice is Toby and Duckway, uh, just because uh, he's played a lot more. He's got yet another year with Kaz uh, Kazadi, another year in that weight room, and I think he's going to be uh, you know, probably the most reliable guy that they have in that role. Now, Branson Hickman, can I see him pushing his way into the starting lineup. I'm going to go with no as far as week one. I could see it as the season unfolds. You know, I spoke with A.J. Ricker now probably about a month and a half ago. And I mean, everything is on the table for this offensive line. And the freshman that had to come in late to camp and didn't have the offseason that most freshmen would have, you know, when they come in in June, they have that now. They have spring ball. They uh, will have had an extended time with Kazkazadi this spring before spring ball, and then they have the summer. I think you're going to see maybe one to two, uh, I guess they are still freshmen, whether they're redshirt or true freshmen again, or however that works with the extra year of COVID. But uh, I could see them working their way into the starting lineup uh, without a doubt. I, I just think over the course of the year, we even saw it with Marcus Bryant make, making that push late in the season. So I could see Branson Hickman doing it. He was terrific last year in practice. They loved him. He was set to play a little bit more down the stretch. And um, I could see them. Uh, I could see him earning a starting job. I really could. Ponyhawk asked, last season the offense ran less hurry up, still no huddle, but looked intentional on using up the clock. Was this decision to protect the defense? Is that the plan going forward? So I did a little research, um, and SMU only ran 2.3 plays less per game uh, in 2020, 2021 versus 2019, 2020. And then going back to 2018, uh, SMU was uh, right uh, in uh, the mid 50s with 73.7 plays per game. So you saw that jump in uh, 2019 um, with Shane Bouchelle taking over. And then it dropped off just a hair in 2020. And I think part of that too was look, you, you didn't get as much. Uh, production from the run game. I think there are way too many three and outs. Uh, and, and there are a lot of reasons for that with the run game, of course. But, you know, and probably a little bit to protect the defense. But obviously, if you're running only two less plays per game than you did the season before, there wasn't really that much of a change. Um, I do think anytime they go no huddle and, and put the brakes on, it's very intentional. They want to control the tempo. They want to, you know, get two plays in and then run another one right at, you know, back to back and kind of do that. Um, I think they do want to go faster. I think with another year with these running backs in the system, um, that'll help. 
uh, because if you're picking up, if you're able to pick up five, six yards of carry, you're going to go tempo. You're going to go push the pace and just keep running the same play <laughs> till they stop it in a way. Um, the only thing I guess that could slow that is how the quarterbacks pick things up. So, you know, I think, uh, football wise, I mean, that's really not, um, that I, I think that's kind of a little overblown. I know what you're saying. And it did at times look intentional, but when, when you end up just averaging uh, two less plays per game and you're still, I think they were 14th this year in plays per game. That's pretty impressive. As far as the missing pieces for this team in 2021 to make a conference title and a New Year's New Year's six run, the big question I have is quarterback. You know, what are you going to get from Tanner Mordecai, Preston Stone, or Derek Green? I mean, that's a very important question. I think a bell cow back is probably the biggest question as well. Can they be able uh, to to really rely on these guys consistently? You know, TJ McDaniel, McDaniel, Ulysses Bentley, uh, Tyler Levine. Trey Siggers, when he comes in, can those guys piece it together so that the run game is such a threat that they could control the clock and keep opposing offenses off, off the field? I think the offensive line is going to be fine. I think tight end is is in a really good spot with the guys they've got in there. I think receivers, you know, if Reggie Robertson, look, I mean, let's be real. The missing piece for SMU last year was Reggie Robertson. That team is so different night and day when he is out there as that deep threat. It really is. And that's it. It's an excuse, whatever you want to call it, but it's reality too. I mean, he's a Blitnikoff Award semifinal, or not a semi semifinal. Yeah, I think semifinalist uh, from 2019. And then 2020, you know, gets hurt again. And he was on the preseason Blitnikoff Award. I mean, he was such a stud in 2020. It was unbelievable. And then he, you know, gets hurt. So, Having him healthy, getting more consistent production from the other receivers is key. And then I think, you know, like the earlier question, pass rush. They need somebody that can really make a dent in pass rushing. I think they're still going to try to address that uh, in the uh, in the transfer portal this offseason. I think that's something that they always want to look for. Sonny Dykes has said that. You know, so we will uh, we will certainly see uh, them try to do that. Um, but um, you know, it, it's. Uh, it's something that, you know, they they really really uh, want to try to do, and um, you know, for for SMU, they got corner help with with Charles Woods, the Illinois State defensive back transferring in. He's got two years left of eligibility, um, and and so he'll be able to uh, you know factor in there uh, as well. And uh, he's a, another home uh, another born and raised uh, player, really productive uh, when he was at Illinois State. Uh, so they just picked him up as I'm recording this podcast. I actually missed it <laughs> as I was recording the podcast. So uh, was able to just see uh, what, um, uh, you know, him getting on board officially and, and doing that and making that call. So um, if you're on the board and uh, I was a little late with the story, I was recording this podcast. So, uh, you know, I, I think as far as production goes, he was very, very good uh, in his four games this year. Uh, in technically the 2020 season, but they played it this spring. Uh, so he's, um, you know, he had four interceptions, uh, or sorry, he had uh, four interceptions in 2019 um, and then uh, had two interceptions, five pass breakups in the four games uh, this spring. Um, and then he entered the transfer portal. So big deal for asking me to get him on board. That's another piece that they needed to add. Uh, but pass rusher on defense for sure. 
And then, um, you know, I, I think uh, I think certainly getting more out of the run game is going to be key. Um, we'll cover pro day next day. I'll send some texts and things like that uh, around to see kind of what the reaction was to how the guys did uh, on pro day. And then what road games um, should you hit? I, I mean, I think one, you, you got to hit, uh, you know, TCU. Uh, that'll be that'll be one for sure. Uh, I think, uh, you know, Rustin is actually a little underrated because you could stay in, in Shreveport and do that if you wanted to, um, depending on, you know, how much fun you wanted to do, maybe get a, you know, a car service or something from there, uh, from, from, from Shreveport and, and stay in, uh, or stay in Shreveport, get a car service from there and, and, and stay in, uh, stay in Rustin or gosh, visit Rustin, golly. And then always going to tell you guys, uh, to go, um, you know, check out, uh, Cincinnati, honestly, uh, I had a blast going up there for the SMU Cincinnati game. Uh, Nippert's a great stadium. Uh, Cincinnati is low key, pretty fun, uh, right on the river there. I mean, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. So I would recommend checking out Cincinnati in November too. That would be a good one. So, uh, those are my recommendations. Those are the three, uh, those are three that I think, uh, you should check out this year. And then, um, as far as the last question that we'll take today, uh, Sonny's expe- exceeded expectations after three years. I would I would kind of agree with that. I, I, I think there are certain moments where uh, they didn't exceed expectations, but the success of the program has come so quickly that it's exceeded expectations, if that makes sense. But as far as similar progress, uh, the big thing is just continuing to, to mine that transfer portal to uh, to continue to bring in difference makers, you know, on the on the uh, defensive line, on the back end. Uh, at quarterback when when the next time they need to do that is you know those are all uh, Im- important things uh, that that need to uh, need to happen you know the offensive line is set for the foreseeable future in my mind I think receivers in a good spot uh, running backs in a really good spot uh, it's just all it's just all about um, just all about continuing to reload on the defensive line on the back back four uh, that's important Um continuing to retain coaches like they have in a way you know they kind of got hit a little bit harder than I think they probably expected this offseason but it all kind of worked out and came out in the wash so um yeah I think that's the biggest thing and, and you know donors will continue to support they need to continue to embrace Dallas obviously which they'll do uh they need to get more fan support and, and that just comes with winning and um, but for the most part, if you have a quarterback, if you can get, if you can evaluate and recruit, whether it's from high school or transfer, the right quarterback, this program is going to be in a good spot uh, for years to come. So that's kind of my uh, take on that, and that is the conclusion of this edition of the Pony Stampede Podcast. So thanks for listening, guys. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hope it kicks off your weekend the right way. We'll catch you next time, and thanks for listening.